It is our inaugural view. Uh, welcome to For Life and Legacy. It is finally here, October 31st, 2023, and we are pushing out new content today. Uh, we'll go back and we'll make some things happen we need to make happen, but today we're just going to press on. We're just going to believe God for greater things, and we're going to challenge all that are listening uh, to believe God for greater things for your life. For it is for your life and for your legacy that we speak about today. Um, what is the challenge? The challenge is to do God's will. Uh, oftentimes we may find ourselves encumbered by our own will and may not even be able to understand what God's will is for us. And we may even uh, tie that on to our purpose and find that the purpose is hooked up to our gifting, our, gift and ta- our gifts, talents, and abilities. But hey, you know, the truth of the matter is, uh, while these things serve to, uh, to some degree define us, it is there to help others. It, I think the fact that it is a gifting means it is something that you, you give away. Hence the term gift. It is not something that I keep to myself. It is something that I give away. We need to know that we have to have the courage to use our giftings. We have to have the courage to to walk in them, even when we're not perfected in them. And sometimes we want to be perfected. We we shy away from being able to do all that God has called us to do because we are looking at someone else who may have who may have somehow learned to perfect their gift. They have moved from gift being gifted. Uh, or talented to being skilled in that. And Lord help if we find someone who's not only gifted, talented, skilled, but also anointed. So there's at least four layers. I'm sure there's some scholars out there that would probably like to go deeper. Uh, but today we're not going to do that. What we're going to do is stick and stay and talk about what it means to just to be courageous. Courageous enough to do what is sometimes difficult, courageous enough to do things that just somehow may stir up your inner man and make you wonder, can I do this thing? The thing that God has called me to do, can I approach it? Can I knock down Goliath? Would I be the one to run out into the field and be able to boast about my God simply because of what he has done for me in the past? Now, I will say this. We have to take into consideration if God has been a deliverer in the past, Surely he's not lost his throne and he will continue to be a deliverer in the future. If God has done it before, he will surely do it again. And you know what I like about it? When he does it again, he does it even better. He does it in a way that even uh, others would, even doctors and lawyers and people would say, you know, I've never seen anything like this before. So we need to stay in carriage because if it is a hard road ahead of us, then surely there is a great blessing beyond that road, right? When we reach that place where God wants us to be, amen, it will be well worth it. There is a scripture that says, uh, think it not strange the fiery trials that come upon you. It is for the perfecting of you. But even more so, there is another one that specifically speaks to us to say, hey, you know, the things that we suffer in this world cannot be compared to that which shall be revealed in us, right? To what we shall receive in God. So we're going to do this today because 
I know we're going to pick up some, at least uh, two people that we're going to talk about, maybe three, depending on how much time we have. But we're going to talk about two people uh, that maybe the church really doesn't want to deal with or maybe they don't want to talk, tackle right now. Uh, but we need to talk about it, right? Let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about Gideon. Let's talk about Gideon. He's found in Judges, the sixth chapter. And if we look at this text, I'm going to start at verse 22, right? Verse 22 says, now Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. So Gideon said, alas, O Lord God, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. All right, so let's talk about this. First thing is first, peace be unto you. You shall not fear. Don't fear. Don't fear. You shall not die. Don't fear. So what are we saying here? It is obvious that God knows that we have a tendency to find fear before we find faith. Right. We have a tendency to find fear before we find faith, especially when we're in places we don't expect to be. When we're in a place that we've never been before. In this particular example, Gideon has never been in the presence of God. And if you read the preceding scriptures, you'll find that he, he is even wondering if this is true. And God has manifested itself himself once again to show that, hey, this is true. What I'm saying to you is what needs to be said. It does uh, bear reference here. I think reference should be made here that Gideon said he was of the smallest family. Now, many of you may think I'm from a small family. I'm from a place that nobody knows. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm mighty, I might even call myself a nobody. Hey, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody. Let me tell you this. Let's just spell this now. You are not a nobody. I don't, you go ahead and go ahead and try to eat that humble pie all you want. Like eat that humble pile you want. If you've been created by God, he says you are his workmanship. You are a master craftsman. It sounds good to be this just that humble. Sounds good to say, hey, you know, hey, nobody. Listen, you are. Never say that again. I'm going to tell you, this is a hard stance. You are somebody because God created you. You are somebody because God allowed breath to continue to be in your body. You are somebody because you are made in the image of God. You're somebody because, plainly put, he says that you are his craftsmanship. There's another scripture that says if you've been born again, that you are the apple of his eye. So don't. Be the individual who tries to be the one who's so humble that he can't realize or you can't, she can't realize that you have been made by God for great things. And that means you're not a nobody, even though that's a double negative. You are somebody. All right. You have to understand that you are a person that's been crafted for God's express use and Depending on the environment you've been in, you may not believe that, especially if people have not nurtured you well. So you may not believe what you're experiencing, especially when God starts to use you. You scratch your head. Guess what? It's going to seem abnormal. It's going to see seem like something else should be happening and you shouldn't be the one that the spotlight is put on. But God has chosen you for this season. He's chosen you for this reason to move and to give him glory. Let me say it this way. The moon only has light because it reflects the light from the sun. It is still the moon, even when you don't see it at night, even when you even when you can't see the reflection of the sun. And sometimes you look up in the sky, you don't see is the moon still there? It's still there. It's still there. And sometimes in your life, you might not be reflecting the light of God as often as you should. 
But don't let that to be a distraction because sometimes there are people or some things that cloud the way. It's not that the moon's not there. It's just that there are clouds in the way. And there are people in their lives who cannot see the reflection of God because there are clouds in the way. They're, they're distracted. They're perplexed. And they really don't want to see past the clouds that are in their own lives. But even when the clouds, when the clouds are moved away and you're lined up properly to reflect the light of God, the individuals will begin to see exactly who you are and begin to say, you know what? That light doesn't necessarily emit from you. It comes from the sun. It comes from God. So we need to understand that even in this brief illustration that the moon has a purpose. Matter of fact, its purpose is so great that if the moon were to disappear, it would throw the world in a topsy-turvy. You would find that the world would lose its axis and, and you would find that in Regions that are hot, it would become cold, and those regions that were cold become hot, and the seasons would lose its balance upon the earth. We would be out of cycle. There are so many things that the moon does. Not just most of you are familiar with the moon's ability to affect the tide upon the earth, right? The ability to affect the tide upon the earth. It affects the seasons in the earth. If you are very effective in what you do, God will help you usher in new seasons for people. I, we have to understand that we're not just, you know, some thing that other people don't, uh, uh, well, some people try to describe that I'm just nobody. I'm going to go back there. I'm just a nobody. Stop that. You are somebody. And God has a, has a purpose for you, not just for your own seasons, but for the seasons of others. Hence the term. We go back to exercising your gifting. Let me get on before I lose my, all of my time here. We go to verse 24. So Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it the Lord is peace or Jehovah Shalom. And the Lord is peace. And until this day, it's an opera. Uh, so we're going to go. And now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal. That your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it. This is depending on where you are, the asterisk pole, right? There's a wooden image or a grove beside it. He's telling him to tear this stuff down that's in his father's house, right? Let's keep going. And build an altar to the Lord, your God, on top of this rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said unto him. Listen to this clearly, very clearly. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. Listen, I know some of us have heard it say, well, God has not given us the spirit of fear. He has not. But it doesn't mean that you're not scared. It doesn't mean that, hey, you know, that won't rise up in you. It is not God who gives you the spirit of fear. It comes from your flesh. But in faith, you will still do it. And some of would say you do it scared. You still do it because you know it's the will of God to do it. Do it when you feel like fear is knocking at your front door. Do it when you feel like fear is underneath your feet. Just do it just the same because you're still being obedient and acting in faith when you do it. As a matter of fact, just do it simply because he told you to do it. All right. Do it. Do it with the expectation that guess what? Use caution even if you have to do it and do it with caution, but do it and find a way to do it. If God is telling you to do it, I am telling you it is the 
best thing that could ever happen to you, that God would speak to you and tell you what to do. Now, here's something I don't want to slip past. I don't want to slip past. He's pulling down altars. He's pulling down false gods and destroying altars, destroying those things that don't actually need to be in the lives of people who are around you, right? This says specifically that it was his father's or at least in his father's area. And there's some false gods in our family's lives. Maybe we need to pull down. We need to identify them and pull them down specifically so that our lives for our life and legacy can be better, that our parents' lives can be better. I know they're your parents. I know they may be older, but you know, sometimes we focus on Young people that need to be saved. There's some older folk that need to be saved. They too old to be somebody doing some of the ignorant stuff they're doing right now. And I know that doesn't sound proper and I can talk proper English if necessary, but they are do, they are doing things that just should be done. They're too old. You should know better by now. You should definitely know better by now, but they don't know Christ. And matter of fact, they may know better. There's this thing that says, if you know better, you ought to. Yes, right. Do better. But how many of us know that that's not the case? They need the power to do better. Sometimes the power comes in looking at someone doing it and then emulating you. There is an ability. If you show people how to do things and you show them that you're going to be steadfast in it and they say, well, if you can do it and they knew back in the past that they could not do it, then you become, if you will, the polarizing uh, object for them that they can be attracted to and say, hey, you know, if my son or my daughter can do it, then why can't I do it? Right. Be be the person who breaks the, the, the chain in the, in the family. Be the person who shows the way. Be the one who pulls down the altar. Be the one who makes the difference. Be that person, even if you have to do it scared and i know some preachers would say you gain no spirit of fear yeah that's right god has not it's saying god has not given us a spirit of fear it is not god that's giving you that but of power love and a sound mind when you start doing things in faith it's a sound mind it's a disciplined mind you start doing things in faith you're doing it because you are uh, being obedient to the will and the way of god you're being obedient right so you're going to do it because you love god right you're going to do it hallelujah in power you're going to do it the thing is that he did it he did it with caution now i'm trying to make sure you understand even if you feel like i can't you can you can you can do it in faith so Gideon took the men from among his servants, verse 27, and did as the Lord had said unto him. But because he feared his household, he did it. He did it. He did it by night. Uh, I think there's another man who came to Jesus by night. His name was Nicodemus. He came to Jesus by night, but he did it. Sometimes we, we crucify ourselves because we say, well, uh, I don't No, Just do it. It's an act of faith by doing it. And you don't discredit yourself. I don't, I'm reading my Bible in the corner. Start. Just start reading your Bible. You know, just start doing the thing that you know. If there are people around you who can't understand it just yet, you just build up the most holy faith to the point where you become strong enough to do it in front of people. But you have to do it. Right. Let's go on. Um, here's the thing. Your devotional commitment will forge new alliances when you do it. Right. Some 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 within your own family, people you don't know. Right. Are thinking the same thing that you're thinking. They just don't have the courage to do it. 
But because you do it, next thing you know, they're going to stand up for you. I can prove it right here in text. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, there was an altar. Of, there was the altar of Baal torn down and the wooden image that was beside it was cut down. And the second bull was being offered on the altar, which had been built. There has to be a sacrifice for a change to be made. There has to be a sacrifice. I want to make sure we cover that piece is that not only did he pull down the false God's altar, not only did he actually use the wood from the other false God to, to, to make kindling wood for the burnt sacrifice, but he made a sacrifice. He made a sacrifice. So there are times in your life where you're going to have to make the sacrifice to make the change. You can't make change without sacrifice. You can't. I want to make it plain. You can't make change. Sometimes you got to spill a little blood in order to make some change. Right? You cannot make a change without a sacrifice. So they said to one another, who has done this thing? And they had inquired and asked. And they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, he has done this thing. He got discovered. He was discovered, y'all. Then the men of the city said, to Joash, bring your son that he may die because he has torn down the altar of Baal and because he has cut down the wooden image that was beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, who would plead for Baal? Who would save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he is a God, let him plead for himself because his altar has been torn down. Hey, this is Gideon's father stepping up to the plate. Saying, hey, I'm going to intercede from the son. I'm going to say, hey, if if he's a real God, if Baal's your God, let him come to let him come knock on my door. Let him come make some noise. If he's real, let him come make some noise. Now, I'm going to say it seems to me that Joash really had a really small allegiance with Baal. It seems like Joash may have wanted to do the same thing at some point in time because he didn't seem to be eager to turn his son over. Now we could find people who turned their children over, who were willing to, to make the sacrifice. But Joash said, no, my boy's staying here. He's going to be all right. Matter of fact, I, Joash may have patted his son on the back. It's not in the text, but it seems to me that he's standing up for him in public. New alliances, even with family members. There are new alliances shown forth here. With family members, therefore, on that day, they called him Jerubel, saying, let Baal plead against him because he has torn down the altar. It's important for us to understand that there are people who are waiting for us to stand up. There are people waiting for us to take courage to do God's will. There are people waiting for us to change the momentum in our lives and thereby changing the momentum in their lives. There are people who are waiting for us to actually just come to grips with this is the will of God. And maybe I'm not ready to do it. But I sure would love to see a champion do it with me or do it, do it before me. Rather, you are that champion. You are the one who's going to do it. Matter of fact, let's go on to Elisha. Elisha thought in first Kings 18, 22, then Elisha said to the people, I alone am left the prophet to the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. So he took the bull which was given them and prepared it and called on the name of Baal. They took the bull and called on the name of Baal from morning till noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. No one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. So let's give you a backstory. Here's Elisha. There's been at least three years of famine and no rain. There's been three years where he had actually said there won't be any rain, right? And here he is saying, hey, guys, if you believe the God, if you believe in God, 
And there is but one God. If you believe that there is the God of Baal, then how about this? And I believe in the God that I believe, Jehovah, right? Let the real God answer by fire. Hmm? Well, will we agree to that? And they said, yeah, we'll believe that. We'll agree with that. We'll agree with that. The God will answer by fire. Let us prepare a sacrifice. If we prepare a sacrifice, then the God that will answer by fire, let him be God. Everybody's good. Everybody's good. Okay, we're great. Let's go. And here we are. They're saying, hey, let's go ahead and prepare. As a matter of fact, Elijah was so gracious. He said, you guys go first. Let me let you go first. You go first and we'll see what happens, right? Ah, you go first. You're, you're up first to bat. Let's make this happen. So they took down the, they took the bull, which was given them, and they prepared it, called on the name of Baal from morning till evening. They leaped upon the altar they had made. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them. Ah, there you go. That's what we talked about. Here's somebody with some confidence. He said, Elijah said unto them, cry loud. For he's a God. Either he's meditating or maybe he's busy. Oh, he's on a journey. Perhaps he's sleeping and you might need to awaken him. I, I just want to say, um, and Elijah took 12 stones when it became his turn. Verse 31, 18th chapter of first Kings. And according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob. So there's, there's a reason he took 12 stones, one for each tribe of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had came saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones, he built an altar. That's, that sounds familiar. Who built an altar before? Gideon built an altar. There's something about building an altar for the Lord. There's something about preparing your heart for the sacrifice. There's something about setting up the right atmosphere to give unto God. Right. Let me keep going. Let me keep going for the sake of time. Then the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He made a trench round about it. Altar large enough to hold two sheets of seed. It's pretty sizable, but we'll talk about that later. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood and said, fill your water pots with water, pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, so we're saturating the sacrifice now. We're saturating it with water. Ah, uh, we could go into the cleansing part, but that's anyway, we're saturating with water. And he said unto him, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. He said, do it a third time. They did it a third time. He's showing off now. He's showing off, but he's good. He's showing off. Now, you could say one for the Father, one for the Son, one for the Holy Ghost, but that's not in this text. I know some people, I make for good preaching, but that's what this is doing. He's saying specifically, saturate this place. Saturate this, because when we leave here, there will be no question about what had to happen today or what just happened. Did that just happen? That just happened. Did that just it just did, yeah. I think I thought I thought it. Yep, you thought it. And there it is. It just happened right here. So he said, so the water ran all around the altar. And he filled the trench with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering, the even sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel. And I am your servant, that I have done all these things at your word. And Elisha said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. Let me stop. Between 36 and 40, guess what happened? God answered by fire. He consumed the sacrifice. God has a tendency to operate by fire. I'm going to tell you today, like the fire in your life, take courage to do the will of God. I know there's more, but I have, I have, don't have more time. Uh, take courage today and we're going to get to something else, but we're going to talk about being, uh, feeling like you're alone 
on your walk next time. We're going to talk about having the courage, even if you feel alone, that you're not alone. Because the truth is, God never leaves you alone. He opens up the door for you at every turn. And even if you've fallen, right? Even if you've fallen and you've fallen by the wayside and you feel like you've disappointed God, it's impossible. God knows where you are. And he will speak to you in a still, small voice to encourage your soul and encourage your heart to get up from where you are to accomplish that which he's perfected you or purposed you for. So believe that on today, because at the end of the day, it is for your life and your legacy. Go use that gifting. Go use that talent and go use that carriage. Do it even on today. Until next time. God bless you.